to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. This episode of Cruise Radio Rewind is all about you tackling your listener questions. We'll jump right to it with staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. This question comes from Belinda. Is it better to choose early or late boarding? You know, Belinda, that kind of boils down to a couple of different things. One is, it can depend on what kind of cruiser you are. There are some people who really want to get on that ship ASAP, get their drink on, get their first meal, you know, really have some time to settle in, maybe explore the ship before the muster drill. It can also depend on the ship you're doing and what's on it that you might need to get on early for. For example, if I'm getting on the Norwegian Gem, it's sort of a smaller ship. It's It doesn't have anything that I necessarily need to rush on board for. So I might do a later embarkation. But if I'm going on like the Norwegian Encore or one of the ships that has the Vibes Beach Club, I probably am going to want to get on as soon as possible because they sell out of that. So I need to get on the ship, get to guest services, and get my my precious, precious Vibe Beach Club purchased. So find out if there's anything that like you really need to do you know, immediately. In that case, you might want to get on. It also can depend on how you feel about crowds. A lot of times, if you get there early in the morning, everybody else has the same idea. And so you might wind up waiting in lines. You might wind up sitting around waiting to get on the ship. And then, you know, they're calling all the numbers. Whereas if you get there, say, two o'clock in the afternoon, let's say they're embarking up until four o'clock and you get there around two you're probably going to be able to just waltz right through. You know, you won't have any security lines and you'll just get on the ship and go. You won't have any waiting around. So it's sort of, you know, it really, there's a couple of different factors that go into deciding the best time. It's also important to note, and this is sort of new for some cruise lines, more and more cruise lines are asking you to select an embarkation time. And like, for example, if you, let's say you choose 1230 as your embarkation time and you get there at 10 AM, they might actually hold you to it and put you over in a little like no, no square and make you sit Mm -hmm. there and wait until it's your time to embark. So check and see if when you're, when you're doing the online check-in, some people don't even notice it. It might like assign them a time and they don't even realize that, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to be here for two more hours. So keep an eye on that. And if there is a specific time you want, you know, try and get that time. And if you don't get it, you can try and call and see if they can, you know, change your embarkation time. But I find that that's a little bit difficult in my limited experiences with that. Yeah. And on top of that, it seems like these days the cruise lines are being a little stricter on when you can actually board because everything is trying to be streamlined, right? With technology and everything. So yeah, you could get there two hours early, but they might say, hey, wait here until your zone is called. And it makes sense. I mean, you know, it sort of is along the lines of what they do at Disney World with Fast Pass. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can keep you coming back, if they can make sure they know when you're going to be there, they have a better idea of how to process people. I mean, they're processing on a on a ship. They're processing anywhere from, you know, two to six thousand people during the course of the day. And the better handle they can have on what the traffic flow is going to be, the easier they can make it on everyone. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thank you, my friend. Glad to be here. To help field the next set of questions is Sherry Laskin with CruiseMaven.com. Hey, Sherry. Hello, Doug. All right, Sherry, this first question comes from Jason. He wants to know if he should park at Port Miami or park at an off-site parking lot because he's concerned about paying $22 per day at Port Miami. Well, hi, Jason. So first of all, I'm going to say that, you know, parking at ports always gets a lot of questions and it's always because of the price. 
So at $22 a day for six days, that comes out to $132. I don't know how many adults are in your group of eight, but if it's two families, maybe so that there are at least four adults, that comes to $33 per person if all four chip in. So for convenience sake, I would really recommend parking at Port Miami. But like you mentioned, there are other options and, and they're all good. Um, and I'll go through this real quick and then get to my point. So first, if you decide to park at the port, keep in mind that it's it's not reserved parking. That's at Port Miami. But there's a lot of separate structures there. I don't know if you've looked at photos. And even when I've gotten there at like 3 o'clock for a 4 p.m. all aboard, I've always found a place to park. So despite the fact that you can't reserve it, you can always find a place to park. Um, and keep in mind that Port Miami does not accept debit cards. It's cash or credit card only and U.S. traveler's checks, but I don't think anyone uses those anymore. <laughs> but off-site, like you mentioned, there are a uh, few options. There's two that, that come to mind. And the first one is called Safe Cruise Parking. And, and, but they're both about half the cost of what Port Miami would charge. This one is not covered parking. So, for example, if you're going in the summer... You know, your car is going to get blazing hot sitting out there in the open. And now regarding their shuttle service to get you from their parking facility to the port and back, they will only allow four people per vehicle parking space. The other company that's really close to the port is called Premier Shuttle. And again, that's about half. That costs, theirs costs $11 per day. They use a covered lot in downtown Miami, which is really nice, but they too will only take four passengers per vehicle parking space. So what this means is that with either of those two offsite companies, since you're traveling with a group of eight, you'll have to swing into the port first and drop off, say, for example, four extra passengers. Um, that's going to add, I would say, in and out, um, plus, you know, waiting in line to drop everybody, get the luggage out, probably 30 minutes each way just to be safe. Could be less, could be a little bit more. And now the same applies on the return. So when you get off the ship, you claim your luggage, you go to the, the designated pickup point for that particular company shuttle, they'll only take four people. So that means leaving four at the port. And guess what? You'll have to swing back in to pick them up. So if you do choose offsite parking for your choice so you can save money, the best advice is drop everyone off at the port then just the driver go to the off-site parking place. And then after the cruise, do the same thing. It's a lot easier for just one person to hop on the shuttle. You know, you're all waiting in line. Everybody's going to the parking lot. If it's just one of you, you'll get on the shuttle with just one person. Take some of your luggage, leave the luggage with everybody else. Go get your car, turn around, swing back through the port. And remember, people are coming and going, so it could take a little bit of time. Pick up your other seven passengers and off you go. Given the two of these three options, the port or the two offsite companies with eight people, I definitely recommend parking at the port. So Jason, this is just my humble opinion. And Sherry, you don't have to agree with me at all. But I'm going to say, yes, Miami does screw you with parking at $22 per day. But there's also something to be said about coming back in your car, maybe not being on cinder blocks and able to just drive away. With the port parking, you know that there is 24-hour security. There's cameras there. You're in a secured lot, a secured space. Every city has pockets, right? So it could be here in Jacksonville or Miami or Baltimore. If you're not 100% confident where your car is going to be for seven or eight days – 
just park at the port. I agree. I, I've used the offsite in Port uh, Port Everglades a few mm-hmm. times, and just you know, just so I could write about it and compare. Um, and they worked a lot better. Miami is just very, you know, I've got a lot of one way streets. Yeah. You've got a, and I think it just adds to the confusion. Um, so definitely for Port Miami, I we we agree. Um, park at the port. It's just so much easier, and whether it's one person or eight people or 12, you know, I would park there. All right, Jason, I hope that helps you. Next question comes from Keith. My wife and I are cruising to Bermuda aboard Carnival Pride in October. We are spending three days docked in Bermuda, and we've been looking at different ways of getting around the island. We have considered buying the transportation passes that are good for the buses and ferries. What are your thoughts on this transportation method as opposed to using taxis or just running a car? Hi, Keith. I like the passes that you can buy on the ship. Take the ferry back and forth. It's kind of a fun boat ride, like you haven't been on a ship enough. But, but um, you know, keep in mind, if you do rent a car, you will be driving, assuming you are from North America. Most likely, um, the steering wheel will not be on the side that you like. Although, keep in mind, you're going to be driving on the left side of the road. And you can specify with your rental company that you would like your steering wheel on the left rather than is in Britain on the right. But, um, you know, aside from getting comfortable with driving differently, what will you do with your rental car overnight? So here's my suggestion. If you have that much time in Bermuda, and I imagine that one of those days is going to be a short day or not a full 24 hours, um, use the, the passes from the ship. Try the public transportation if you want to. And then if you really want to explore the island, rent a car for just an afternoon or you know just a full day, an eight-hour rental or whatever their negotiated time period might be, um, ask for a steering wheel on the left. Maybe they'll have it. And I would also suggest an automatic. If you think you can do it, a car rental for one day might be nice. But you know, use what the ship has to offer. They've pretty much gotten that down to a science because they're there so often and it's for a long stay. And then venture out on your own if you feel comfortable. Last question comes from Sharon. I was curious if you could answer a carnival policy question for me. Do you know if Carnival is willing to push out the payoff date past the seven-day extension? Well, Sharon, I called Carnival and I spoke to a reservation agent and she said there is no way to extend the final payment date. Now, when you said the seven-day extension... Does that mean you're using one of their payment plans? I don't know that for a fact. So I'm going to go with the fact that you just wanted to know if they'll extend the final payment date. She did say on occasion that if you don't pay your final payment on time, your booking may be held for one or two days in sort of a grace period, but it's not written in stone. And if your booking cancels, then you're out your deposit money. So basically just plan on making your final payment on the day that it's due, not the day after. Um, I mean, you can always call and plead a case with somebody. You know, that sometimes works. If you've booked it with a travel agent and that travel agent is friends with the BDM for the specific cruise line, in this case, Carnival, sometimes they can pull rabbits out of their hat and they can get an extension when everybody else has said no. But barring that, just plan to make it on time and even the day before if it's possible, just so you don't have any hiccups and you don't want to lose your deposit. 
Sherry, you just said something. You said if your travel agent is friends with the BDM at the cruise line, what is a BDM? I'm sorry, a business development manager. And he or she is the, is the salesperson basically for the cruise line assigned to the territory in which your travel agent lives or works with her host agency. Sometimes it's called a district sales manager or a business development manager. With Carnival, it's a, it's a BDM. And, you know, they have a little more clout than when you call the 800 number and speak with one of a bazillion reservation agents that don't have clout and have to ask a supervisor who then always says no. I was so close to losing my deposit. I mean, I would have. And I called my my carnival rep and she was able to save it. They were able to um, rebook me. And this is, you know, several years ago, but they were able to rebook me and um, keep the same rate rather than have me pay the new rate that started um, when my deposit was when my deposit canceled. So there you go. Another reason to use a travel agent. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're not you're not losing money by working with a travel agent. They, they don't. Uh, the cruise line doesn't charge you more to pay them. So, you know, sometimes it's just giving up control. Yeah. And that can be a hard thing to do for a lot of people. I'm, you know, and that's why I, I ended up becoming a travel agent 25 plus years ago because I, I wanted to do it on my own. I was used to making, you know, calling my own shots and booking everything for myself. So that's what I did. Giving up control. I, I hear you. That's why I have said no to every private equity firm that's offered money for cruise radio. I just, I don't want to give up any control. Yeah. And, and you would be under their thumb, uh, even as a consultant or whatever mm-hmm. the title would be, yep. you'd have to abide by their rules. Absolutely. I've been talking with Sherry Laskin from cruisemaven.com. Sherry, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Doug. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. By the way, I have a suggestion, maybe something like that. So I say you can email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. Also, if you want to send me a voice memo and email it to Doug at cruiseradio.net, record it on your Android or iPhone or your computer and email it to me. We can also air them that way. If you don't feel like typing out a long question, I know sometimes it's easier just to use the voice memo feature. All right. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks again for being here. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.